following is a message from Living Waters Church in Elk River, Minnesota. For more information, visit livingwatersmn.org. Good morning, Living Waters. It's a Sunday morning service. We have been on the road together for a few days. I'm believing there's an ongoing thread and development taking place in all of our spirits because as an apostolic and prophetic people, what we carry is not designed to deliver a sermon, but to deliver a people. And we are experiencing elevation of thought in these days as part of our progression in our journey. It's a great day to be alive in Christ Jesus, an absolutely wonderful day to be alive. It's not an easy time to be alive because so much is going on around about us, but it's a great day to be alive in our Lord. We've journeyed over a number of themes. We will continue the theme of progressively prophetic this morning and examine what this looks like for you and I from another perspective. If the Lord has been speaking anything to me in recent days, it's simply this. The Word of God is knowledge of reality. Our position as believers is not outside of knowledge. We live in the heartland of a solid body of knowledge. It dismisses the argument that people say we're a loosey-goosey people with strange traditions, strange beliefs, can't prove anything. We have our rituals. We're a subgroup. If you're quiet, we'll tolerate you. If you make any noise, we will slam you. Well, as a stubborn Scotsman, as a boneheaded Scotsman, that's never going to happen because we are handling reality. Please turn to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11. And we are... Looking at verses 27 to 30. Acts chapter 11. Now at this time, some prophets say, yay for prophets. Do you know any prophets? Well, there's always me if if you're stuck. (laughs) Now, at this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and began to indicate by the Spirit that there would certainly be a great famine all over the world. And this took place in the reign of Claudius. And in the proportion that any of the disciples had means, each of them determined 
to send a contribution for the relief of the brethren living in Judea. And this they did, sending it in charge of Barnabas and Saul to the elders. As we're slowly coming to the end of our weekend, let's have a brief retrospect. I really feel this weekend began, not on Friday night, but on Thursday morning at the prayer meeting here in Living Waters. That theme came out again of we are a people who stand on knowledge, not myths, not make-believe, irrelevant, obsolete facts, but absolute knowledge. And Thursday night at the pastors and leaders gathering, we look briefly at inviting his presence into our lives every day. I can't think of anything that would put you and I in a better place to progress prophetically than to invite the Holy Spirit and his presence into our lives every day. Friday night, as we try to grapple with the theme of what does it mean to progress prophetically, well, we had this invitation from the body of Christ to explore the theme of our confidence in the participation in the body of Christ. Yesterday morning, we scrutinized what the gift of prophecy and the New Testament prophet should be about presently as the kingdom progresses, as the prophetic kingdom continues to release truths and foretell days to come. Last night, I found interesting because I'm learning with you this weekend. I'm no prophetic guru coming to Elk River saying this is how it should be done. In essence, we are synergizing. The best prophetic people get together and synergize. It's a servant ministry. It's a level playing field. The least amongst us is the greatest amongst us. And the greatest are the people who think they're greatest amongst us. Well, we send to a church in Los Angeles. We started discovering new ways the Holy Spirit will equip you and I to hear the Word of God. We skimmed the surface. There's big changes in the days of a guy like me standing up here. It's almost like a lecture mode. Have you ever been lectured by a Scotsman before? And it's this mood, tone, and expression of the Holy Spirit that we hear the Word of God in different ways. If there's been a dominant theme over the weekend, it's been the Lord bashing against all our existing paradigms and saying they are no longer fit for purpose. For I'm doing a new thing, and I'm changing the way you think, see, and believe. The church has been a movement since the day of Pentecost. And if you live in Alaska, plenty frost. <laughs> it's pretty chilly here in the winter too. I love Minnesotan snow. 
on Christmas cards. <laughs> but as we move into the heartland of the message today, we do live in reality. We have knowledge that can meet us in our everyday reality. But the Holy Spirit, as we are traveling, as we are progressing as a prophetic people, has a simple message to have confidence in the present chaos. Confidence in the present chaos. I would rather progress prophetically by being sent to a Bible school for a year. Immersion training over 12 months, come out with a certificate and say, I have progressed prophetically. How about you? But of course, we progress, we progress prophetically in our everyday lives. And our everyday lives over the last number of years has been in a context of chaos. It began in the UK with Brexit, when the, U the UK left the European Union. It continued with the pandemic. Who remembers the pandemic? Oh, me, oh, my. Our Prime Minister coming on the television saying, I have a simple message for the British people. Stay home. Stay home. It was like a time of war as much as a time of crisis. The last group of people that tried to invade the UK was Nazi Germany. And now we have a virus doing the same thing, not wearing jackboots and coming in in tanks and planes. Then, after the pandemic started to settle down, the war in Ukraine flared up. The international financial crisis, deep global destabilization, and we are in a time of wars and rumors of wars. And a smart man's money on what will kick off the next war probably isn't what's going on in Ukraine. It's probably China's attitude towards Taiwan. And if China invades Taiwan, that will trigger globally all the different alliances to address the issue, which means the Third World War might be closer than we think. Goodness, I really know how to cheer a congregation up. <laughs> but we can have confidence in the present chaos because God has given you and I a prophetic template to live in the present chaos. We read about Agabus the prophet this morning, we introduced him briefly over the weekend. Now here comes Agabus, one of the heavy hitters in the church, a prophet from Jerusalem. And he came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. Who was this guy? Tell me more about Agabus. Well, he was probably one of the 70 disciples sent out by the Lord Jesus in Luke chapter 10, verse 1. 
Church tradition says he preached in many countries. It could well have been that Agabus was one of the first New Testament prophets with an international constituency. He was also stoned to death. He died for the purpose of serving the kingdom of heaven. He was a prophet from Judea. I would imagine he was Jewish before his conversion to the Lord Jesus. But Agabus was part of a great prophetic age. A day and hour had broken through on the earth where there were New Testament prophets, apostles, some of them handling the very word of God that would eventually find its way into the New Testament. The days of Agabus were not only great prophetic days, but days of high credibility. For Agabus prophesied a great famine would take place all over the world, and this came to pass. In other words, when Agabus and New Testament's prophets delivered the word, they had such high credibility. There was a sense of, this will happen. This will happen. In recent days, we have heard hundreds and hundreds of prophetic words given by very high-level anointed ministers. They specify people, places, times and dates, and outcomes. In other words, highly specific words that don't come to pass. They don't come to pass. The words speak into the political conversation, business conversation, social, moral, and church conversation in America, and they do not happen. What have such men and women done as a consequence? Here's a strategy. You wait a while, then you prophesy another word. You move on. It depresses me immensely. It really does. Can we say this morning that the prophetic church has high credibility in the United States of America? We can't. We really can't. It's fallen into disrepute because we're a laughing stock as we've brought so-called words from God to the world system. I'm way, way, way down here in terms of profile and influence when it comes to the prophetic and all things ministry. But if I could speak to all the guys up here that have been bringing these great prophetic words made of straw, straw words that have no seed that germinate and reproduce, I was saying love to such men and women. Stay in your lane. Stay within the parameters of the great and awesome gifts that the Lord has given you and leave prophetic ministry to those who know what they're doing. The church, 
on you and I as prophetic people is to restore the credibility of the prophetic church. The days of Agabus are on the earth again, for this is a great prophetic age. But only skilled workmen and skilled women, workwomen, can mature the prophetic in this present age. I have a brief 10-minute message. We're going to land the plane in 10 minutes so we can move into a prophetic season. What is the template by which we should be moved as a prophetic people? What makes us stand up and say, I have a word from the Lord? Agabus came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. And most prophets are not as spiritual as you think. I could see Agabus in the assembly, thinking about what he'd left behind in Jerusalem, thinking of all the emails he'd forgotten to reply to, and wondering what was for supper after the meeting that night in Antioch. But something began to happen in the spirit of Agabus. For in Acts 11, 28, Agabus eventually stood up and began to indicate by the Spirit. He could indicate by the Spirit because in the midst of Agabus' own thought world, his prophetic indicators started to activate that's the nature of moving in the true prophetic for you and for I. The prophetic part of our recreated spirits are coded for language. And when the Holy Spirit moves on our born-again spirits, our indicators have a way of activating and we know that God is up to something. Have you ever had that moment when you're minding your own business and suddenly you know that God is up to something? He's indicating to you by the Spirit and giving you substance that out of that comes a flow of words, highly specific words. In the case of Agabus, he prophesied a famine would take place all over the world during the reign of Claudius. This happened. Secular history reveals this happened. It happened four times. There were four famines in the reign of Claudius. Was Agabus prophesying all four of them? If he was here today and still dealing with pride issues, he would say, yes, all four. Did you not read about it in my book? Famine, beware. But seriously, his indicators were so accurate that when he spoke, it came to pass. We should not be in a hurry to speak when our prophetic indicators come alive. We should weigh the word Test the word and under the leadership of our communities, release the word. 
The Lord rose, raised up Agabus to a level he could foretell and speak into global events. Brothers and sisters, the Lord is raising the bar way high for you and I today. He's laying down a challenge. Are we willing to develop and mature and get to a place in our prophetic journey where the Lord can trust us to foretell global events and prophesy into global events? The journey as a prophetic people is utterly, is utterly endless. The comfort of this phase in human history was simply when this famine was encroaching upon the earth, God foreknew. He foreknew and he had a solution. He had a solution. For in verse 29, the disciples essentially took an offering, made a contribution for the relief of the brethren living in Judea. This incredible, this incredible revelation of God's sovereignty translates into where we live. I will be 64 in November. I've never known chaos like this in, on the earth. I've never experienced one global event after another global event after another global event. God foreknew this would happen in our lifespan. But take heart, he has a solution at hand. The solution is in our God. Simply in the case of the famine that they were going to take an offering and many people would benefit. The church in Antioch was sizable. It was a multinational leadership in the church in Antioch. In many ways, the seat of modern missions. Where did modern missions come from? It came from the church in Antioch. No wonder the Lord spoke so clearly to the dominant missional church in the kingdom matrix upon the face of the earth. God foreknew and had the solution at hand. We've come to faith at different times in our lives. Was it crisis that brought you to faith? It was crisis that brought me to faith. And I was a hurting bunny. I was not a well budgie in my soul. I really wasn't. God foreknew that I would be alive and living in all that stuff, but he had a solution at hand. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to see us at the core of our being. There's nothing we're going through today that God does not have a solution for. The only caveat would be the outcome might be different for what we are hoping, from what we are hoping for, but the solution will not only be forthcoming, but will take us on a, a new kingdom trajectory. The greater the crisis I've had in my 26 years of ministry has usually meant the greater far-flung kingdom trajectory 
that I'm going to move into. So pain has great redemptive value. Suffering is never easy in this life, but there's purpose in our suffering. God is not a divine masochist. He is a loving heavenly Father, moving us through suffering into glory. And finally, and finally, when the Lord was bringing solution to the churches and brethren in Judea, we read of Barnabas and Saul bringing this contribution to the elders in the church of the brethren living in Judea. The final part is the Lord mobilized Barnabas and Saul and the elders in the church in Judea to meet the need of the hour. We are on a cusp of a final outpouring of the Holy Spirit, a final reformation that will usher in the return of Jesus. We don't know the times or dates. The Lord has not sent me an email on such matters. But we're waiting, we're praying, we're believing. We have been part of historical moves of God. I praise God for the North American prophetic movement because this movement got their hands on me in the early 1990s and I emerged as a prophet in 1997. But how do we know? How do we know that we are moving in a fresh move of God? Where does the rubber hit the road? Where is the proof? It's when the body of Christ is mobilized. A mobilization of the body of Christ. Instead of the church being an inreach, it becomes an outreach. And we're not throwing darts at a board. I was always hopeless at darts. Most darts I threw landed on people's skulls. And I wonder why they're not speaking to me to this day. No, we are bullseye believers. Because when we are mobilized by the Lord, we hit the bullseye in the Holy Spirit. And we become the solution to the crisis that other people are living in. So as we ponder our prophetic journey, understanding the power of indicating by the Spirit, understanding that whilst there is a crisis, God has a solution. And perhaps, more than likely, definitely, as a prophetic people, we are part of the solution. Before I was born again, I was a big part of a lot of people's problems. But what a redemptive pathway to walk along that now we're part of bringing solution to other people's lives. Our service is not in vain. This present chaos has great value in what the Lord is doing on the earth and in the church. When the seasons are changing in the spirit realm, crisis breaks out on the earth. And when the seasons are changing in the heavenlies, and I will finish with this point, 
I mentioned it on Thursday night at the pastors and leaders meeting. There's a scientific phenomenon called perigee, an unusual word. Think of pericomo and you've half remembered it. Perigee, P-E-R-I, P-E-R-R-I-G-E-E. Or pericomo loves the beaches. Play around a bit, you remember perigee. Don't expect me to dance like John Travolta. Come on, that's not on my terms of reference. But when a perigee moon manifests, it's the point the moon is closest to the earth. And we know photographs of a perigee moon because it looks like a big giant orange ball. But what happens is the oceans of the earth begin to change their tidal patterns as a consequence of the perigee moon. When the kingdom of heaven moves close to the earth, the Holy Spirit changes his tidal patterns in the church, changes the times and seasons of human history. And as a consequence... The kingdom is established in a time of chaos. All significant moves of God have taken place in a context of chaos. We have confidence in the God, the Lord, who oversees the chaos and is releasing his divine processes into the chaos. And that's you and I. We are his people being released into divine processes. I look forward to the ongoing prophetic journey. Tonight we're going to examine in conclusion a little gentle teaching on how the Lord is shaping and forming our spirits. That's the power center of our faith. That's where the dynamis lies, the power of God lies. But now I'm going to bring a brief word to living waters for the entire church. I'm believing God on behalf of this wonderful fellowship that's been my spiritual home in America since 1999. These are days where I'm taking the roots, the roots of the people of God down more deeply into the soil. For it's a time of reflection and a deepening and releasing of apostolic and prophetic grace. It's a time of reconfiguration in terms of who does what and what grace pathways will be released in this church. It's a time of discovering core truths that will enable you to complete this phase of your journey. There will be a movement of individuals within the church, some to higher leadership positions and function, and to others taking on a more of a emeritus role, more of an honoring role 
in the fellowship. But the Lord says living waters will go forward and say there's a meaningful place for everybody in this house. For the family spirit is what matters first and foremost. And the emerging of developing apostolic and prophetic grace will drive the stakes of Ephesians 2.20 down into the very soil of this fellowship. I desire that you hit new veins of ore, that truth, new truth would emerge. I desire that you hit subterranean streams of the Holy Spirit, that it would overflow into the surface. But the paradigm you've built over the years that determines how you see yourselves as a church and what you do as a consequence is going to change radically, says the living God. For there's radical processes of reformation taking place in this house. And watchmen will begin to discern the changes that I am bringing. But I will take care of everyone in the process, says the living God. This house will never adopt a corporate mentality and just slide people out casually. This house will be a family that will give great care and attention to the transition of individuals, knowing that they're cared for, loved upon, and still active in ministries, the other side of the transition. Be a family of believers, first and foremost, and I will take care of the rest of the detail, says God. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To learn more about us, please visit livingwatersmn.org.